It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Your Miami Dolphins are 6-3. and three. Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. Today is Monday November 16th, and we're going streaking. Five consecutive wins for the Miami Dolphins. 29-21 victory over the Los Angeles Chargers in Week 10 of the NFL season. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. The Miami Dolphins took about... 20% off Justin Herbert's average per game, and then some. Justin Herbert passing for 187 yards against the Dolphins, an average air yards completion of 2.7 yards down the field for the entirety of the football game. If you want to see what it looks like to have an offensive coaching staff just completely Completely turtle. Look at what the Miami Dolphins did to the Los Angeles Chargers offense last night. Because Herbert bombed the ball down the field, push it vertically, big plays, back to the defense, play action passing. Nah. Brian Flores says, shove it. We're going to heat you up. We're going to run right at you. We're going to blitz the hell out of you. And they did. And courtesy of Yet another spectacular special teams play. Here's looking at you, Andrew Van Ginkle, blocking the punt. Setting the Dolphins up on the one-yard line for a one-yard touchdown on their first offensive play of the game. Thanks to Jakeem Grant. Excellent effort in punt returns. The dude, man, he makes you hold your breath. Thanks to a proficient and efficient day from Tua Tonga-Vailoa. We'll talk about the play calling. Because I know that's on a lot of people's minds today, and I get why. Thanks to a defense, Emmanuel Agba, another solo sack, six consecutive games. He's two games short of Jason Taylor's team record for of eight consecutive games with an individual sack. Thanks to Xavier Howard, playing deep third, cover three, playing the sticks on third and 12 with the Chargers looking to come back. And intercepting Justin Herbert to set the Dolphins up on a short field. Thanks to guys like Kyle Van Noy, who suffered a hip injury in the first half. And coming out of halftime, they said, oh, well, Van Noy's out for the rest of the game. And then lo and behold, who do you see cracking Kalen Balaj out of bounds? Kyle Van Noy. Thanks to thankless dudes like Zach Sealer. Benito Jones, Jason Strobridge stepping into the void left by Christian Wilkins on the reserve COVID-19 list. The Dolphins once again on top, and it was not as close 
as 29-21 to 21 would indicate. The Dolphins, early on, followed the same script we've seen this team have so much success with. They jump on you early. I don't know what is going into the game plans that is finding these cracks in opposing teams in the first five minutes of every single game. But here we are. And the Dolphins continue to find the right buttons to push to set the team up to play with a lead. Blocked punts. Turnovers. Handful of big plays. It's the same script. It's different people each week. It's a different opponent each week. And it's the same script. And it's unlike anything I can ever recall. Because the last time the Dolphins were this good in the win column through nine games, I was 12 years old. 2001, the last time the Dolphins were 6-3 and three after nine games. They went on that season to finish 11-5. and five. And there's some interesting parallels between that team and this team for the Dolphins. Offensively, neither team is going to jump off the page at you. The 01 Dolphins didn't have a single 300-yard passing performance in the entirety of the 2001 season. The 01 Dolphins went 11-5 and and had just five games throughout the entirety of the season in which they surpassed 350 total yards of offense. So somebody's going to look at the stat sheet. They're going to see the Dolphins did and get 300 yards of offense. They're going to see the Dolphins got 145 yards of offense in Week 8 against the Los Angeles Rams, despite the fact that they won both those games. They say, oh, well, Dolphins' offense isn't very good. You know what wins games? Points, not yards. Yards helps you get points. But ask the Chargers how that worked out for them. Because they came into this game averaging a ton of yards per game. They left this game with 273. Justin Herbert, 187 yards passing. 58 of them came on the final possession when the Dolphins were up 15 with four minutes left. It's just like Jared Goff. Except this time, Jared Goff didn't get the 380 passing yards or whatever. Justin Herbert got the 180. So here's the deal. Let's let's talk about the offensive side of the ball. Because I know there are a lot of people that were super frustrated with offensive coordinator Chan Gailey uh, for the play-calling approach that the Dolphins had. Uh, But to be fair to the Dolphins, they had nearly a 50-50 split. They ran the ball 32 times, take out the two kneel downs, the two, three kneel downs at the end of the game. Okay. About 29 rush attempts from scrimmage, 25 pass attempts, nearly a 50-50 split. They did rush for 111 yards, collectively, as a team. Patrick Laird with a chunk gain, 17-yarder. Salvin Ahmed ripped off an 18-yarder. Malcolm Perry had one really uh, interesting six-yard run. But Salvin Ahmed, 21 rush attempts, 85 yards. He got up real close to 100 uh, before he got the, the Chargers really teed off on him there at the end of the game. Why did the Dolphins do this? I can already hear the questioning, oh my God, the play calling, it's so conservative, da 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 that's, that's who this team wants to be. If we're being completely honest, that is who the Miami Dolphins want to be as a team this year. Probably not long term. But the Dolphins, again, you look at the offense, you look at the defense, which side of the ball is better, is a better unit for the Dolphins? The defense. They're playing at a very high level. 
Top five in scoring defense still. About 21 points per game. So the Dolphins, with a rookie quarterback, a rookie running back, two or three, depending on what possession you're looking at, rookie offensive lineman, a rookie slot receiver, they're going to be fairly conservative because there's a lot of young, inexperienced parts And the Dolphins have to walk this tightrope every single week, and you have to be comfortable with it as a Dolphins fan. They're going to walk the tightrope between letting these guys learn on the job, have success on the job, and still freaking win football games. And they're doing a masterful job of it. And I get it. Everybody wants to see Tua throw the ball 40 times. You know, the whole let Russ cook campaign that went took place in Seattle for five freaking years before they finally took the handcuffs off Russell Wilson and let him spin it. I understand why Dolphins fans want this to look a certain way, but the blueprint and the model for this team is don't beat yourself, play disciplined, smart football, play all three phases to the best of your ability, and let the other team make the back-breaking mistakes. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Dolphins up 14. Ted Karras can't get the snap up off the ground. It's a fumble. How about a little freaking love for Tua Tungvaloa running down an opposing linebacker? You can't, you're not allowed to hold your breath anymore when Tua goes to make a play or when Tua gets hit. You're not allowed to. Because this was the campaign to let Tua play, right? We all want the absolute best for Tua Tungvaloa. But Tua wouldn't be out there if he wasn't healthy. So you can't hold your breath anymore. So applaud him for the effort to run this dude down and not just run him down, to try and strip the football. But those are the kinds of plays the Dolphins want to avoid as best as possible. The completion to, to Adam Shaheen that went right through Kenneth Murray's hands and fingertips, those are the kind of plays you want to avoid. Because yes, Tua Tungvaloa got a lucky bounce and a lucky break. Tua Tungvaloa showed incredible pocket awareness to break a would-be sack from Jerry Tillery just before half that would have knocked the Dolphins out of field goal range. The Dolphins, within the final two minutes of the first half and and end of game, with their game management, their coaching wins them those situations. And think about the end of the first half in each of the last two games. You had field goals on both those possessions in which the Dolphins got the ball back late and still managed to engineer drives to go down and score points. They're playing the way and the brand of football that fits their identity based on their personnel, their talent level, their experience level, and their coaching comfortability right now. 
And we should be comfortable with it. We should not, we should want more and aspire for more in the long term for this offense. But I think the Dolphins want that as well. I think it'd be foolish to say this is the final product for the Dolphins. No. It's just like everything else. It's going to get better and better with time and development, coaching, experience. This isn't the finished product. And the Dolphins, 6-3, and three, let that sink in there. 6-3, and three, and their next three games are against the Denver Broncos, who are 3-6, and six, the winless New York Jets, and the Cincinnati Bengals, who are 2-5-1, or 2-6-1, whatever it is. We're not supposed to be here yet, and yet we are. So criticism for Chan Gailey, too conservative, that's the Miami way right now. Don't beat yourself. Don't give an opposing team a short field because that's what we feed off of from other teams. So yes, again, it goes back to what we talked about last week. This team could score more points if they wanted to. And if Jason Sanders doesn't miss his first field goal attempt in his last like 23 kicks, tip of the freaking cap to this dude. Miami would score 32 points. 32! And we're mad? Because we want more? I get it. <laughs> I genuinely do. I get it. But Miami's points scored per game this season. Let's let's take the let's take the walk. 11 against the Patriots. That game sucked. Three turnovers, less than 300 yards of offense. Game sucked. We lost Devontae Parker in the first half. Couldn't get anything cooking. 28 against the Buffalo Bills. Okay. 31, Jacksonville Jaguars. Win. 23, Seattle Seahawks. Game also sucked. Two turnovers. Should have had another two. Ryan Fitzpatrick. 43. 24 and won by 24 despite having losing the turnover battle. 28, 34, 29. The Dolphins are getting the job done. And again, perspective, grand scheme of things. The Dolphins, 251 points scored, 28 points per game. That's ninth in the NFL in points scored per game. It might not look the way you want it to look, but this is a winning brand. They're in top 10 in points scored, and they're in top 5 in points allowed. They're going to continue to take this blueprint, even if it means playing offensively closer to the vest than what you would prefer. Or if you have Tua Tungvalo or Mike Gusecki or Devontae Parker on your fantasy team, they don't care. They don't care about the box score. So if they get out to a 15-point lead, 14-point lead, 17-point lead, whatever it is, they're going to shorten the game and they're going to force opposing teams to play perfect to beat you because they don't think that you can. And with how good this defense is playing, Emmanuel Ogba, Xavier Howard, Kyle Van Noy, Christian Wilkins when he's on the field, Zach Sealer, Byron Jones, Bobby McCain, Eric Rowe. This is a really good football team defensively. You have to play perfect to climb back into a game if you're losing by multiple possessions. And if you don't play perfect, what happens? You lose the game. Because that's what the Dolphins have done over and over and over and over and over again in this five-game win streak. And six wins in seven games. I get the frustration. 
but let's keep it in perspective and let's be excited about what this overall team and identity is showing. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. So whether you're looking for a healthy snack, a breakfast on the go, something post-workout, or just like delicious things, Built Bar can fill the void for you. And best of all, Built Bar doesn't just taste good, it blows the nutritional facts of your typical protein bar out of the water. It's got 200 calories per bar or less, up to 20 grams of protein per bar, 18 delicious flavors to choose from, and one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar of your typical protein bar. So if you're looking for a change-up in your diet, visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you can save 20% off your next order of Built Bar. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, to save 20% and find out what all the fuss is about for yourself. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And even amid all of the concerns about play calling for Chan Gailey and how conservative and so on and so on, let's put Tua Tagovailoa's play in perspective. What would you do if I told you that there was no NFL quarterback in the NFL in Week 10, who averaged more yards in the air per attempt than Tua Tungvaloa. Over 11 yards downfield was his average pass attempt against the Chargers. And at the top of the show, I told you what Justin Herbert's was. 2.7. Nobody was more aggressive down the field attacking an opposing defense in Week 10 than Tua Tungvaloa was in a game in which they never trailed. So why would you come out here guns blazing and continue to pass the ball around? His average air yards per completion, per completion, not attempt, completion. His average completion was eight yards down the field. That's the second highest in the NFL in week 10. Spread the ball all around. Tight window throws. There was some aggressiveness to Tua. He skipped this flat route to throw the deep over to Mike Gusecki early in the game. A rope throwing on his left. He pumped to the back. He pumped to Salvin Ahmed and threw it to Gusecki for another strike down the field. He gave Mike Gusecki a couple chances to win balls at the catch point. Mike just didn't win him against the Chargers. One of them almost got picked off by Denzel Perryman as a result. Mike had 40 yards. Mike could have had 80 yards in this game. The aggressiveness in limited opportunities was there. And it was a highly efficient game from Tua Tungvaloa. Zero complaints with the offensive performance. This team, the, What ails this team is not going to get fixed this season. So you got to learn how to win with the limitations that you got. We're not going to magically overnight learn how to run the football for 4.5 yards per pop. It's not going to happen. There's a lack of chemistry 
we are now getting into the jumbling and shuffling of the offensive line chapter of a season. We're on our third string running back, and credit to Salvin Ahmed. He looked like one hell of a player. He's probably going to have a role regardless of who comes back. I would hope he does. He's more explosive than Miles Gaskin and as good and reliable and diverse as Miles Gaskin was. You're seeing the difference with somebody who has some explosiveness to hit the hole versus Miles. He's more one speed. He's smooth. That's fine. There's a role for that kind of player on the field. James White's like that for the Patriots, and he's made a hell of a living doing it. But it's not as a ball carrier, not as a primary ball carrier. So bear that in mind. The issues that you're seeing with the Dolphins, there's no magic elixir or button that you're going to push that's going to make it go away at this point in the year. So the Dolphins, to their coaching staff's credit, they're learning how to win and pushing the right buttons to win in spite of the flaws on the roster. And then you get to the offseason, and then you can take a look in the mirror and you can say, where do we need to get better so we can be the best versions of ourselves as a football team? And they will do it. And if this season has shown us anything, it's that we should trust whatever direction this team chooses to go. They're not going to bat a 1,000. It's impossible. It's statistically impossible to have every free agent signing be a good one and every draft pick be a good one. But that's why you make these decisions in mass and with volume and draft with high amounts of volume like we've seen Chris Greer do. And that is where I would like to finish today's show. I want to talk about playoff picture and NFL draft picture because it was about as good of a script as you could possibly write for the Miami Dolphins in Week 10. About as good of a script. The only thing that would have made it better is if the Patriots would have lost. Buffalo Bills score a touchdown with under a minute remaining against Arizona to go up four points, and Kyler Murray drops a teardrop Hail Mary to DeAndre Hopkins amongst three Bills defenders to drop the Bills to 7-3. and three. Hallelujah, prayers answered. The Bills are on a bye next week, which means if the Dolphins beat the Broncos next week, both teams will be 7-3 and three with six to play, including a head-to-head matchup, which is critical because Miami lost the first matchup by three points, 31-28. Effectively, a game out at this point in time with an opportunity to cut it to a half a game next weekend. A first place in the AFC East. You take that, and now you add Indianapolis Colts beat the Tennessee Titans. Dropped the division leader in the AFC South to the same record as the Dolphins. The Baltimore Ravens lost to the Patriots, which... I would have loved to see the Patriots lose, but the Ravens losing puts the Dolphins above the Ravens at 6-3 in the AFC playoff picture right now. The Cleveland Browns 6-3, currently trailing the Miami Dolphins. The only 6-3 wildcard team that is in front of the Miami Dolphins in the playoff standings right now in the AFC is the Las Vegas Raiders, who the Dolphins will play Week 16. On a West Coast trip that is indoors. What's not to like? If the playoffs began today, your Miami Dolphins would be the sixth seed and they would play the three seed in the first round of the playoffs. Drum roll, please. The Buffalo Bills. If Miami can catch Buffalo, 
you're looking at a home playoff game, potentially against the Bills again. Home playoff game in January, that's a hell of a whole lot better than going to some of these other places. Kansas City, Buffalo, Tennessee or Indianapolis wouldn't be too bad because at least that's indoors. So Miami has a very large amount of interest in either winning this division or getting the five. And right now it's all out in front of them with seven to play. Meanwhile, all of that happens, and all of that happens, and it's good for the Dolphins. The Dolphins win, the Bills lose, the Ravens lose, the Titans lose. It's all good for Miami. Texans lost. Texans lost, go to 2-7 and seven on the season, which means the Dolphins' first draft pick is currently scheduled to pick 6th in the 2020 NFL draft order. 6th. This team is 6-3, and three, winners of 5 in a row. All of that happens to help their playoff standing, and they also improve their NFL draft standing. Make sense of that, if you can. And it's another win-win scenario next weekend because Houston's got to play the New England Patriots next weekend. If the Patriots win, thanks for helping our draft order, guys. Miami takes care of their own business. They're still two games ahead of the Pats with another head-to-head left to play in Miami in December. If the Texans lose and Miami wins, now you're talking about a three-game distance between the teams with six to play. Okay. And that Texans pick is not going to be anything worse than 15th in the draft order. It's just not. The team is too bad. They've got seven losses already. They're going to finish the season with a losing record. But it could go sky high if the bottom drops out in Houston. So all this stuff to keep an eye on. But if you walk away from week 10 of the 2020 NFL season and you do not feel anything other than the most excited you have been about this franchise since probably 2008, when they went from 1-15 and to 11-5 and and won the division with a Week 17 win over the New York Jets? I don't know what to tell you. Again, parallels to the 2001 team. The last time the Dolphins were 6-3 and through 9 games. The identity of that team was also the defense. Some of the names on that team. Jason Taylor, Patrick Sertain, Sam Madison, Zach Thomas, Tim Bowen, Brock Marion, and so on. This year's group is a little different, but all the best players, not all the best players, a lot of the best players are on the defensive side of the football. The defense is the identity of the team. Opportunistic. But the one big difference, and I'll leave you with this, the one big difference between the 01 team and the 2020 team is the long-term forecast. Because we know what the story looked like for the 01 Dolphins over the next several years. Make the big trade for Ricky Williams. It's super exciting. Plenty of defensive talent. And it's squandered. The Dolphins never made a playoff run. They never won a postseason game from that point on. With this elite defense. Because offensively, they couldn't right the ship. And they couldn't break through the glass ceiling. Tua Tungvaloa is the difference. The Dolphins' offensive potential, their draft order, their ability to reload from here 
is the difference between that 0-1 team who was so good defensively, so good winning football games, finding ways to win, and this year's team. The long-term forecast is much more favorable now than it was back then. So get excited about this football team. I hope you're excited listening to Locked On Dolphins. Tomorrow's Power to the Pod, and I'm excited to hear from all of you. I want to know what you guys want to talk about. Tweet at Locked On Fins with a PH. Hashtag Power to the Pod. Leave a review on the show with your questions. And we'll talk about what you want to talk about tomorrow on the show. But Fins up, Dolphins fans, because 6-3, and and we've got three more games ahead of us to play before the Kansas City Chiefs come to town. And you can bet your bottom dollar. The only thing the Dolphins are going to hear this week is Denver Broncos, Denver Broncos, Denver Broncos. Miami goes to Denver, takes care of business. Let's get freaking wild. Because it's going to be one hell of a final two months. It already is. But 7-3 and three sounds hella good right now. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Thanks, as always, for listening. Hope to talk to you guys again tomorrow. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.